Well, I have to chuckle. It was over here, um, I don't know when I was, a couple months ago, and I was able to come to the Beth Moore study. And that day, I mean, I took like pages of notes. It's so refreshing to be able to come somewhere where I just get to drink deeply. I don't, not that I love this, too. Don't, don't get me wrong. This is my passion as well. But to be able to come and just drink. And at that Bible study, Beth Moore was talking about this lady that had contacted her about... Um, coming to, um, like, now, so Beth, how much do you charge when you go speak? And, and Beth just got just, like, kind of righteously angry, and she said, honey, you ought to be paying those women to listen to you, you know? And, and it so struck me because I thought, um, how, gosh, that's the heart I want to have always because it's such, um, it is, like, honestly my reason for living to get to do this kind of thing, to, to teach the word, to, um, to, Today we're going to go into prayer, and I mean, we're going to. I've got a couple of things the Lord's laid on my heart to share with you, and I just think these are the passions of my life. And I have to also, I just love it how God knits, and and one of the things that He's been doing, and He used your little church to do, was when I came over, and um, it was Rory's birthday, and so I came over for that weekend while they were having this evangelism outreach here, the training, and I just knew in my heart, like, I am so weak, I, I'm in such a, I'm a discipler, I, I know that's not a hard thing, but I'll tell you what, to be, you know, evangelizing on the street is not my comfort, is not my comfort zone, and, and I knew that God was really you know, drawing me, and I knew if it, that was where I was supposed to be that day, even though it was Rory's birthday, and then he announced it, he goes, well, no, I know the Lord has said I'm to lead by example and be here as well. Well, I walked in, and there were, there were a few here, and, and I just went up to the couple that were doing it, and I just said, you know what, if, if I were the only reason, if I were the only one here, I know that you're here for me. And so just excited that um, in that, just thinking about the last year and how I want to be, I want to challenge you guys just to get this image in your head, but for Jesus, I want to be a fire hydrant. If he lets me live to be 97, I want to be 97 and a fire hydrant for Jesus. I don't want to be a squirt gun. I don't want to be, you know, and, and I think even the um, occurrences in the last year, um, and, and even as, I, as we go into the word, I, I just um, said goodbye to my oldest sister. She passed away a month ago. And walking through her memorial and that weekend I went home, um, just the weekend was like a family reunion, you know, just the, just the celebration and the joy of her life lived for Christ, the fragrance that she left made me so even more conscious that that is all that matters. I mean, all that matters is living for Jesus for, is for making sure as many as God would give me opportunity to help usher into the kingdom. I mean, this is why we're here. And maybe you think, and I keep thinking about so many things that we're going to talk about today, maybe you feel like, man, I am not even in that ballpark. I, you know, that's like... I don't want a street witness. I don't want to, you know. But all Jesus is asking you is to open your heart and be willing to go and do whatever he leads you to. Because if he leads you to do it, it's going to be the grandest adventure you've ever been on. So let's pray. 
Lord, I just am so blessed to be here, God, and to share the things that you've been teaching me, God. And Lord, it's so exciting to know that I can step out of the way and just invite your Holy Spirit to be the teacher, Lord. And God, it is my confidence that not one one woman will leave this place the same, God, because your word will have touched and, and plowed the ground of her heart, God. So we just surrender this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, like I said, prayer is one of my passions. I, I feel like that's going to be one of those things we're going to be growing in until the day we go home to be with Jesus. And the other is the word. And, you know, Flip, if you have your Bibles with you, um, I've been going through the book of uh, Matthew with the women in Corvallis, and it's ta- taking us a long time. We've been there a year and a half now. Um, but don't worry, we won't be here a year and a half. This is not going to be. But, but I felt like the Lord was leading us to um, go to Matthew 6, and that's the Lord's Prayer. And the reason the Lord's Prayer is so critical is the prince of all prayer taught it. His disciples had been crying out, teach us to pray. And so this was where, um, what the Lord taught. You know, I also, um, gosh, just as a woman of prayer, I just kind of wanted to give you just a tiny bit of background, you know, for me is like, is, um, I was a, became a believer when I was just a little child, and I know it was confirmed like in the fourth grade, and my dad took me to the upper room before I could take communion, and it just made sure that I understood it, and that's solidified in my memory. But, um, so it's just been a journey. But I'm a cheer, I'm not a real cheerleader, but I'm a cheerleader in, but by calling, I'm a Barnabas, and, and so if I could ignite a passion in you, if I could stir in you prayer, I can promise you, I can promise you with everything that I know that if you become women of prayer and you grow in the area of prayer, you, will, you can never, never lose. It will never be time wasted. It will never be something that you get to the end of your life and go, oh my gosh, I wish I wouldn't have spent so much time praying. Instead, it, it, it lets you embark on a grand adventure. And, you know, I'm kind of like a simple person. It's like, you know, I, I, it takes, I like to play games. I mean, whatever it takes to get me praying. I mean, I love to pray. Um, I remember I married a cattle rancher, and I thought I was, met a, I was going to Oregon State at the time and ended up hauling manure with my dad for the garden and Somehow I ended up holding the sack for the most beautiful man I'd ever seen in my life. But I had to laugh. That that entered a, a time of my life where I was taken out of ministry in Corvallis and co- with the college girls, and I was thrown on a cattle ranch in the middle of the boondocks without my own car. And I remember God, just saying, God, what are, what are you doing here? And I remember just him ministering to my heart. He said, you know, I will keep you here until you learn to pray. And I thought, well, bring it on, you know. Not that I, I loved that season of my life. But, you know, as you're on that tractor, and it's about one of the most boring things you ever did in your life, going up and down those rows, you know, that's where he taught me the alphabet prayer. And I would just go through the alphabet, and I'd pray for everybody in my family that I by, by the alphabet. And then I'd go to my church, and I'd pray through all the church through the alphabet. And I figure if it, whatever works, whatever gets you praying. You know, journaling. I, I started journaling in college. And, and you know, that doesn't mean... That 
that you have to write three pages in your journal of prayer. But, you know, every day for me, if I write down my prayer concerns, if I get them down on paper, then I know that I've surrendered them. I have some kind of tangible proof that I've laid those before the Lord or sought him. And, and so a lot of times like I'll, I make myself start with praise. Praise from something the day before. Because you know what that does? That makes you look to the day before and look for the fingerprints of God. And you may have thought there was nothing good about the day before. But I'll tell you what, if you you took breaths of fresh air, if you had any food whatsoever, if you had a hug from a loved one, there is something worthy of praise. And it will transform your life. It is the biggest thing to defeat depression is a lifestyle of praise. I, when my husband was really discouraged, I would have to, I'd say, before you get to the hay shed, just find 10 things to thank the Lord and praise him for. And he would come back and he'd say, almost every time it would break that, that depression and that discouragement. So, you know, whatever works for you, you know, but I, I do encourage you on the journaling, even if you just write one sentence from the day before, and it's on a square in a calendar, you'll start seeing God woven into your life like you haven't ever seen seen him before. You know, I was thinking about um, ways that God has used prayer. I was in a Moms in Touch group from the time I was um, had my first child in, in um, first grade all the way through and how key that was. I mean, I'm so excited for your church that you're doing the Thursday night prayer. I can just about promise you that's going to be one of the hardest things you're going to ever get to. And you're going to be dragging your feet to get there. But I'll tell you what, there will be very few times that you will leave sorry that you used the discipline to get out to Thursday night prayer. It will make the difference in your church. It will make the difference in your family. So I I encourage you in that. I mean, I I have to go to Saturday night. I don't mean to say have to go, but as staff, it's a requirement to go to Saturday night prayer. But it's become a love of my life. But a lot of times, boy, getting there is just like the hardest thing. Um, you know, so whatever you can find, yeah, I've found even with prayer, you know, if someone tells you something heartbreaking or troubling, don't let them leave your presence without just saying, well, let me pray for you. Because, you know, if you just take a minute, I know that's like a stretch on the comfort zone, but if you send them away from you and you have just at least covered that situation, then you're not, it's almost like you've given them a gift and they're walking away, away covered with the Lord. Whereas, you know, if someone's told you something heavy and you say, oh, I'll be praying for you, and they leave, you know how you just feel like you've kind of left them vulnerable? I just, that, I, I always like to watch how the, what the Lord brings out because, you know, you make, you prepare everything and then you say, okay, Lord, now it's yours and you do what you want with it. And I was just kind of, I'm like watching and saying, oh, wow, I hadn't thought that was going to come out. But, you know, it must be for someone um, an encouragement to be, to be praying. So um, let's, t- I just want to turn and I just, I'm going to read Matthew 6. Um, See, I'm just going to read the Lord's Prayer over you. Um, and just a little bit about that, the Lord's Prayer. You know, how many of you memorized the Lord's Prayer when you were just like little or have this one memorized? Me too. And, you know, I always kind of thought, oh, you know, it was always tucked away in the dusty file cabinets of my mind kind of thinking, oh, that's just that one I memorized as a child. I'll tell you what, this, the more you study this, the more time you spend and you bathe in this, you realize the power and the gift God has given us by the Lord's prayer. And so I just really want to encourage you that it's the, it's the most complete prayer in the Bible. It covers all of our needs 
it, um, and yet it, it raises up God's worthiness. Um, it's the most concise package of, uh, that you could get. You know, it's only 65 words. It takes 35 seconds to pray. I mean, just be, not that you, oh, I said the Lord's Prayer, oh, done with that. You know, don't, don't, don't pray it like that. Don't see if you can do it in 30 seconds. I mean, that's not the point of it. But, but the point of it, it's a good tool to have in your pocket. Um, I love, I wanted to read you what Corson, John Corson is one of my um, guys. When I prepare for the studies in Corvallis, I have uh, three commentators I love to dig in and, and, and you know, see how they interpret it and how they take the words. And, um, but I love what Corson said about the Lord's Prayer. He says, it is the perfect prayer because it came from the perfect prayer, Jesus Christ. You can pray this prayer daily, hourly, and you will find yourself in incredible company with the great saints of the ages, with believers of all flavors who all love God and address him as the father because of their relationship with his son. When I have repeatedly prayed the Lord's Prayer word for word, I found liberty and empowering and a joy that have been really refreshing and special to me. I can pause in my car before going into my next appointment already late, and say the Lord's Prayer. Then it's out the door and into the meeting with a sense that, I, that the Lord is with me and that the bases are covered. So, you know, what I've found is over the last eight years, I've lost my mother, my father, my husband, and now my sister. I haven't lost them. I know exactly where they are. They're in heaven. But in this journey, there's been a lot of sleepless nights. And one of the things the Lord has brought me that is one of the most comforting things to me is the Lord's Prayer. That one and the other, and then one we're going to cover in the next session. So, you know, just take it to the Lord and see if that might be something for you as well. So starting with in chapter 6, um, verse 9, Jesus says, In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Now I want to read verse 14 and 15, because this is going to be critical, and we're going to touch on this a little bit later, but... For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. You know, another, um, and we'll get into that a little bit later. I'm just studying and just teaching this week in Matthew 21. There is a huge thing about forgiveness. And you know that God gave me a picture last week. We watch, I'd heard you guys saw that repentance video on uh, the weekend of my sister's memorial here as a congregation. And I'd heard about that before, but I just, because we did the week of prayer and fasting too. And, and from um, one to the evening service, we got a staff we got to have off. And I felt the Lord was really, he just wouldn't let it go that I was supposed to watch that, you know. And, and I, I just watched it and I was just so... Um, just took pages of notes for me. And at the end, I was thinking, you know how if you ever kind of feel like, well, I'm not doing so bad. 
you know, I'm not doing so bad right now. I don't think there's any big things I need to um, be forgiven for. You know, we kind of, hopefully on a daily basis, I, I liken it to, again, this is that you're getting a glimpse into my world. Um, I like to remember to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins by when the water goes down the drain in the shower. It, I'd think of like the water going, taking my sins away and just that's a visual picture that I just say, Lord, remind me not to get lax in keeping the pipes cleaned. But, you know, just realizing that when we go to prayer, if we have unforgiveness in our hearts, it's Isaiah 59, um, I loved this, and this just came this week. The guys, I, I, I love my job because I'm also the secretary at Calvary, and so I'm kind of in a think tank of pastors. You know, I've got like eight or nine pastors around me, and so our staff meetings are really good and deep and rich, and like we, I can bring up stuff I don't understand or someone else can, and we can, we can dig into it. But, um, you know, I was talking to one of the guys uh, on one of our morning prayer sessions, and, and I, I was looking for this verse, and it's Isaiah 59. And it says, but your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. And I just want to encourage you, guys, don't let the prayers of your heart be blocked because you have iniquity in your heart. And in that repentance video, when I watched that, the picture that came to my mind was, you know how like... The clogging the drain in the shower gets clogged by just one hair, and then another hair, and another hair, and, it, and pretty soon you've got the drain clogged, and the water isn't going down. And so don't, don't just take this lightly. Let it be a daily thing where you're clean so that those things on your heart, those prayer, so your communion with God is like a free-flowing a free um, pipeline. Um, I like picking apart the scriptures. I love, I've gotten to, in these few years that I've been teaching the word, I've gotten to a passion for the words in the scriptures. I mean, like, which ones are used more than once in a, in a verse, and what, what are the Greek and Hebrew? I'm not a really great Greek and Hebrew, so I don't want to let you think I'm smarter than I am, because that's not my deep passion. But I do think it's fascinating when, you know, you get a nugget, a little insight into what the Greek or the Hebrew means. So we're just going to take this apart a little bit. Um, our Father who art in heaven... Now, I know a lot of you guys, or maybe not a lot, I hope not a lot, but some of you will not have a good picture when we talk about a father. And sometimes when you take this apart, it's hard for you to, to pray our father who art in heaven because you're thinking like of what you've experienced with an earthly dad. But, you know, I just challenge you as you, t- as you go deeper in the, in the praying of the Lord's Prayer that maybe you would just, if that's you, you would just go to the side of your journal or whatever and write down all the attributes of a good father that you wish you'd have had. Or maybe that you saw somebody else have. And because I want you, God here, the word for Abba, father here is Abba. And in the Greek, that means daddy. And that's like, it's like the most enduring term in that language for a person. And so here it's like God is, Jesus is saying, the father wants you to pray to him like the most loving father you could ever hope to have, because that's really who he is. The other thing is here when we pray our, our father, you know, that is almost 
makes this an intercessory thing. It's not just about you. You can be praying this over your family. You can be praying this over your church. And it's a, it's a good prayer for intercession for others. In verse 2, it says, Hallowed be thy name. You know, hallowed means holy. And we kind of don't really get a real grasp on that. But it's important that we do. And I love always just saying to the Lord, what's the truth about that? Or what does that really mean? You know, and just letting him just kind of bring things in and build it for you. You know, but but grow in that way. Because God calls us to holiness. And, and so what does that mean? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, in the Jewish culture, the n- names were really, really important. And the names of God are were huge to you know, the people, and even in the scriptures, what that means, the attributes were in his names. And, and you know, the, the, the Jews would hardly ever even say Jehovah, or they, you know, boy, they, it, was a, it was a huge thing for them to even utter it because they felt so unworthy. So here Jesus is giving us that open door to, to cry out, Daddy, you know, Father, and his name is Holy. I love colored pens. I'm not sure shiny copper was the color for today. It's a little glittery. If I have to look at my notes a little deeper. In verse 10, it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done. You know, when we were teaching through this study, we had a woman in our, um, well, we still have her. Her name's Annie Condrea, and she escaped from Romania at a very um, dangerous time. She escaped with four children and only what she could carry in a, in a little bag over her shoulder, just like a little purse over her shoulder. And she's still got a lot of, lot of trauma from those days, but boy, what she brings, the flavor she brings to our study. And, and you know, when we talk here about a kingdom, we're talking about, you know, I, I noticed today it jumped out at me more because I've really been um, pondering a lot about heaven in the last two months, you know, and, and taking comfort that that is the promise for us. But, you know, um, so in this, in this study, we're going to look a bit about the kingdom. And, you know, you and I, in this prayer, as Jesus teaches us to teach teeth, to say this and to pray this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's an exhortation for you and I, because how does the kingdom come to earth now during this day and age? It comes through you and I. It comes from you and I being inhabited with the Holy Spirit, with the spirit of the living God. That is a that is the glimpse, that is the fragrance that other people are going to get of heaven. It comes through his word, surely. But, you know, as we grow in the Lord, as we hunger, as we get more and more of the word woven through the fabric of our being, then we're going to give up a flavor. And, you know, I loved it what Annie said, because, you know, we have been called to be ambassadors for Christ. And, you know, some of those things I kind of think, oh, I don't really get that. I haven't traveled abroad a lot, you know, and I've never been to like an embassy or whatever. But Annie said that, you know, that's the whole flavor, an ambassador to another country, if you go to the embassy there, you are going to just feel like you're in that country. I mean, it's going to be decorated like that country, the language they speak there, the, every, the food they usually eat within the embassy, the people are very much that country. 
And I, I, I hope that gives you just a glimpse of even of the calling that is on our lives, that we are ambassadors here. And so the more we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and indwell us, that's the flavor we're going to give off. And hopefully that's what's going to draw men unto the Lord. Your will be done. I remember when my husband was first diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease, I just like, I, we were going to a, a, a church that um, really didn't believe in healing at that time. And um, I felt like when they sent us off to Stanford Medical Center for Russ's bone marrow transplant, that I felt like they kind of gave, they prayed this over us. And it was like, I was, I left feeling really empty and cold and scared because it was like, they prayed for him to be healed, but there was no belief that Jesus really still did that today. And so it was like, thy will be done kind of as like a loophole to make God not look bad. And I struggled with that over the course of Russ's treatment, you know, just like, I didn't really like thy will be done very well. But I'll tell you what, over growing and being in the word more and being in sound doctrine, I have come to love that saying. Because just like at staff meeting this week, we were talking about this because I know with you guys here and coming through the week of prayer and fasting, and there was a lot of praying for healing and different prayers for loved ones, we over there as well were praying. And, and I have been in a very Pentecostal setting, almost a word of faith, faith in faith teaching, which is a very desperate as well, because if you don't get healed there, it's accusing that you didn't have enough faith. But then there is just like, you know, there is the faith that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And if he, and he wants us to ask, he says over and over in his word, you have not because you ask not, seek and you shall find. That was this week's Bible study, which was for us over there. And so, you know, just in that, um, we were t- Rob and I were talking with the pastors on Thursday, and we were talking about, because he laid himself out very vulnerable in front of our congregation, asking for healing for his vocal cords. And you know, God can choose to do what, what is best and most glorifying to him. But it was like Rob said, he goes, you know, the underarching net that we have when we stand on the scriptures is that, of course, bottom line, we want God's will to be done. We wouldn't want anything else. But we're going to step out in faith here asking for this. And then trusting that his will will be done and we will praise him for whichever way it is. So I just want to hand that back to you. I have found over the course of the last few years is that this now is one of my favorite prayers. Because it is now, God, I don't want my will to be done. I want your will to be done because I know you see all the corners of it. You see all the dimensions, all the people involved, all the time, time frame. And so what a, what a joy that is. Um, The, um, just another challenge for you here is as you read through the word, I don't know about if you guys do this, but I like to do this in the back of my journal. I'll have pages for different things that I'm learning through the word. So like if I'll have a, um, a page that says prayer, a page that says guidance, a page that says God's will, you know, just things I want to like be able to just flip into my journal and find those scriptures when I can't remember where the address is. And so I have one for God's will. And that's, you know, I just challenge you to do that because it's really exciting to read the scriptures um, to find out what that is. And, you know, in prayer, that is one thing 
that in First Thessalonians five sixteen through eighteen, um, the word says, "Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks." For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's one that you can know that you know is the will of God for you, is to pray without ceasing. And I know for me, a year ago, I started on a journey of like, so Lord, what does that really look like? You know, what does that really mean to pray without ceasing? And you know, it's not, thank heavens, it's not, you can't bow your head and close your eyes. That's not what it is because we'd never get anything done. But it's just having that attitude of prayer, just keeping your heart open. You know how a thought will drop into your heart about a person or a situation where you're just, it totally is random. It's not where you're, what you're thinking about at the time. Well, know that that's just the Holy Spirit trumpeting you to prayer. It's that attitude of just keeping your heart open before the Lord. That's what praying without ceasing is. And it's it's delightful. I mean, I certainly haven't arrived in it, but it's just so much easier than it sounds because it sounds like you've just like got to really... Because sometimes we have to labor in prayer. But that's not what this is. This is just... A lifestyle of wanting to talk. I know when I became a widow, I I just thought, oh, how am I going to do this? You know, and and a, a wise older woman said to me, she says, well, you this is where you really make Jesus your husband. And I don't know if any of you have lost your husband or been divorced or maybe you've never been married, but the cool, the most wonderful thing happened in that is that I started talking to Jesus like he was my husband. And you know, he is right here. So you might as well just be talking to him and including him in everything because he sees everything. He is a part of everything. And it would even be so much like now it's, you get into my car. Anytime I feel like upset about something or, or stressed, I'll get in my car or pull away and just say, okay, Lord, what's the truth about this? What, you know, what is really going on here? And just, what do you think? Or was that truth? And, and you know, you start dialoguing with the Lord, and he is gonna, you're going to start recognizing his voice. So just, you know, it is, it is a delightful adventure. I know this kind of probably sounds silly, but I'll go to my closet and say, well, what do you want me to wear today, Lord? I mean, I can be, for me, sometimes in the darker days of my spirit, that's when I'll, he'll lead me to wear the most we call them smile clothes in my house. You know, it's like outfits that make other people smile or, you know, are cheerful or bright colors or whatever else. So, you know, isn't it amazing that we have a savior? I am not trying to make him take him off the throne because believe me, he is my all in all. But I'll tell you what, we have someone who wants to hang out with us, girls. He wants to ride in the car with you. He wants to sit right next to you and watch that movie. And you know, he is, so you better be watching the ones that would, you know, be pleasing because he's right there anyway. But you know, I, I'm, I'm delighted and thrilled for the intimacy that he wants to have with us. Um, he truly is and wants to be our best friend. It's just whether we want to open the door to him or not. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. You know what? Right there, you guys, he wants us to be praying this prayer daily. You know, no, we are not to, he says in his word that we are not to do, use vain repetitions. This is not, there is not one vain thing about this prayer. And so in praying this, in laying this before the Lord, in praying it just one little part at a time, that is not a vain repetition. And he is just going to make it rich and deep and, and just ministering to your soul. And how much do you love it? I don't know how many of you guys have been there, but I have been there where I did not know how we were going to put food on our table. 
When we were down to the last nubbins, when my husband was sick and we were in, in college with three little kids, there were times that literally I was not sure how, what the next meal was going to be. And do you know what a faithful, I, I, I'm here to show you, I have never missed a meal. Not, not that, I, well, I guess I should say the fasting week is stretching me on that. I, that. Those fasting weeks are good things when we set aside those meals. But, you know, how cool is it that our God cares enough about what we eat? And where it's going to come from. I mean, I hope you are understanding this is Jesus teaching us how to pray. And that he cares about that. Verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Again, that just points us back to, boy, the criticalness of forgiveness. You know, forgiveness doesn't really hurt the other person nearly as bad as it hurts you. You know, one of the deals when I teach on the tool belts, the tool belt of the Christian life, one of them is I make sure I have a little axe in my pocket. It's a pretend axe, but it's in the tool belt. And when a tiny root of bitterness starts up, and you know when it is, you know that feeling when it hits you in the gut when someone wrongs you. Girls, get out your your little axe and chop that down because the only person it's going to strangle is you. It's going to eventually just take over your thoughts and your joy. So here that that is. And and you know, sometimes we think, well, they they didn't ask me to forgive them. I don't, I'm not going to forgive them until they come and humble themselves. No, set them free and forgive them because you know what? Yeah, it would be best for them to come to you, but what it does is it sets you free, not to be bound by the unforgiveness. You know what, something I love that um, C.S. Lewis said, he said, what is found in Christianity, which is not found in any other religion, is the forgiveness of sins. You know, that is the only, isn't that amazing when you think about it? What a great tool, tuck that one in your pocket for ministering to your unbelieving friends or those that are caught up in false religions because that is, the, that is a huge, huge piece. Verse 13, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, I don't know about you guys, but coming through the week of prayer and fasting, gosh, just that God's people would set aside a lot more time and maybe do without some things and, you know, whatever it was that the Lord led you to fast, if he led you to fast this week. But, you know, the enemy then is roaring and prowling to see whom he can devour. I want to remind you, he doesn't have any teeth. They were defeated at the cross. They were taken out at the cross, but he can gum you pretty bad. So you just want to be aware. I love this because I'm one that um, I don't like to give the enemy any more credit I do not like to be looking for him behind every bush and, you know, every time anything bad goes wrong, just be on an enemy hunt. No. But God does call us on a daily basis to put on the armor of God. Now, when my kids were little, this was a really fun thing we did when they started going to school. As a family, we put on, we did a little football huddle in the front yard. This was when we were still on the ranch. And we would put on the armor together. And all the way through school, all the way through high school, and I'm sure Rory's put, if you haven't heard that in a sermon yet, you're going to hear it how when he was in high school, that used to just drive him nuts that when we were in the van, we'd say, now we're all going to put on. Rory, if you aren't going to put it on with us, then you're going to have to say it by yourself when this is done, you know. But there is something huge. The scriptures tell us to do that. In the Lord's Prayer, it says, you know, pray protection from the evil one. That is not that we have to be afraid. 
This is just wisdom that we are going to pray and put on the armor of God on a daily basis. We're going to pray protection over our loved ones, over your husband. I, I heard a message when, um, way back, and the pastor was calling the people, after you pray for your husband, pray for your pastor. And I just exhort you, of course, it helps that I'm the mother of the pastor, so, you know, I am saying, please pray for your pastor. But you guys, as your shepherd, as your, the teacher of your word, you be praying. Have Rory on your prayer list. Pray protection from the evil one over his family, because it wouldn't just affect him. It would take out a lot if, if you know, the, if they were really slammed. But, you know, that, that, that sets me free. Okay, these are good parameters how to pray against the evil one and it's right here in this um, right here in the scriptures um, you know I love this thinking about why why do we pray why would we be praying about this you know God like I'm saying to you oh well God already knows what you're doing anyway he already knows everything anyway but you know he wants you to come to prayer prayer connects you with him Prayer will expose his heart to you. I mean, that, it, that is what the prayer thing is all about. Yeah, he already knows it. But there's something precious that happens in, with you. It's a gift he gives you when you connect and line up with him in prayer. Hmm, I flipped backwards. I love how I do this. Um, so the next verse is... Um, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Okay, we did, we did that when we recognized that God's forgiveness, our past is buried in the sea of God's forget, forgiveness and forgetfulness. Aren't you so grateful that he doesn't dredge the ocean, doesn't dredge the sea to raise those up? And that would be a good thing for us to strive after too, is to just forgetting what others what have done to us in our forgiveness of them. Verse 13, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For your ki- yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's look at, I'd like to just flip over in your Bibles to James 1. And I'd just like to read verse 13 and 14. It's just good to understand the truth of what the scriptures say. Because honestly, you go, well, why would God lead us into temptation? Why is he teaching us to pray that? You know, that, that seems a little random. But you know what? The, the understanding or the word for temptation here is testing. And we all know that God, what happens when we're tested? We grow. When the te- I, th- I look at my life and I look at, no, it's not that I would ever want to go through what I did with my husband. I, no, it's not, you know, the hard things, that, the times when you didn't have enough money. But I'll tell you what, did I pray? Did I learn that God was faithful, that he was the one that provided my needs? Boy, you look back on the suffering and the hard times in your life, and those, you will find bright and shining golden nuggets. As you and you know, you can stand on Romans eight twenty eight. Just as I went through this with my sister, I was just thinking, oh my goodness! Over and over, he proves himself true that I, you know, he will use everything to the good for those who are called 
according to his purposes, who love him and are called. Guys, how great is that when you get to this part of life and you're looking back and you look at those hard things and you go, wow, I saw fruit there and there was fruit there. Be a fruit. Go looking for that fruit. That way it transforms those hard times into treasured times. Verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. That's a good thing to understand. When we get into temptation, if you're asking for the truth from the Lord, he's probably going to show you some things where you got into your own desires and your own, maybe it wasn't really the Lord that was leading you away and you kind of fooled yourself and it was really just the, the flesh. Something I've loved that our, my pastor always says, he always says, is it a God thing or is it a good thing? Because you know what? We waste our time on an awful lot of good things that were things that God really never meant for us to be spending our time on or our money on. And you know, not to think that that's gonna, you're gonna have to go to a monastery and live a really little life where you don't, you know, you wear just a black robe and you scratch in the dirt to make your existence. That is not, our Father in heaven, He, every good gift comes down from the Father of lights. I mean, so you don't have to be afraid when you go in deeper to these things of letting go what is just the good stuff and going after what the, what is God's will for you? Because God's stuff is far better, far richer, far more, um, more powerful in your life. And I love how, you know, this ends with a burst of praise. I love how, um, your king, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. I mean, th- this prayer puts Jesus on the throne. I found with, with our study, our women's study in Corvallis, we um, started out with, we start out each week with um, getting together and, and hearing prayer praises from the week before. And, you know, there's anywhere from 30 to 75 women that come. I mean, you know, it, it's just, you never know how many people are going to be there. And I, at first I thought, oh Lord, don't you want us to break up in small groups and, and just be led by the Lord. I know with hope she's just going to be, all I can say to her is just be faithful to the Lord. Just let the Lord lead you as silly as it sounds or as crazy as it sounds, because he knows what's best for you guys. And he, if we just follow what he is leading us to do, but for our women, so we start out with, um, sharing praises from the week before. And, you know, it always takes a little while. Those girls are kind of not awake yet when they get there. But, you know, I'll just keep saying, you know, we are going to start out with praise and thanksgiving for the week before because you know what it does? It puts Jesus on the throne. It puts Jesus on the throne. It, it exhibits his power, his faithfulness, you know, his intimacy. And then after they, and then we have these two white chalkboards, and we write the praises up there. And then we'll go into prayer requests. And then, so, you know, that goes up. And then we send it out midweek as, a, as an email to just our, our women's prayer group so that we'll re, be reminded to pray for each other. What happens when you pray for somebody? What happens about your feelings toward that other person? You begin to love them 
even if you don't know them. If you're praying their name, all of a sudden they're not just a name, but you're starting to pray for the things on their heart. You become, it's the most supernatural experience to have that happen. But I've found that our prayer time is the key. It's just the glue, the glue. It's not the key, it's the glue for our study. And especially then if it's, it's um, fa- the foundation is the word of God. So I'm just going to close there for this session. But I do just want to um, just pray over us as we just go to the next thing. Lord, God, I just pray that you would cement into the minds of these women, the truths of your word, that things about this prayer that they need, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, would you inspire them to be praying this prayer? Would you cause them to hunger and thirst for you? Would you help them to get their hands off of old hurts and unforgivenesses that they might be set free from unforgiveness, Lord? God, would you protect them from the evil one, Lord, that he might not be able to snatch any of the seed of your word that's gone out right now. Lord, we just close this session, Lord, with just putting you on the throne and saying all power and honor and glory belong to you. And we love you, Jesus. Amen.